This is XA Anderson. Welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today, I'm thrilled to have with us today, Daryl Lyons. And Daryl is the CEO and co-founder of Pax Financial Group. And he's been in the Inc. 5000 for over four years. Has a, seems like a lot of great business experience. Thank you so much for being on the show here, Daryl. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you help people with their finances. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I've been curious about money since I was 17. I remember we were, um, I was edging the uh, trailer. We lived in a little trailer park at the time and I was edging the skirting of the trailer. And when you edge the skirting of the trailer, you got to be very careful. Otherwise you'll crack the skirting. And so I was edging it thinking, man, I'd really like to have a house with a foundation, like a nice thick concrete foundation. So uh, my friend's uh, house had a nice foundation and he was a banker. So that just got me curious about money. And I've been curious I've been curious ever since then. And so I study it at a very deep, intimate level from, um, you know, just a few years ago, I went back, I went to law school on this subject. And then uh, I study everything in the scriptures about, you know, I go to the Bible and study it. So, I mean, I'm I'm really into this stuff. And it's, um, it's not like, uh, it's certainly an occupation, but it's, it's really fluid for me because it feels like a calling and a purpose. So I enjoy talking about money. I love that. So tell me this. I know you're also on the Ramsey Advisory Council. Tell us a little bit about that. What does it mean to, to be on that? Yeah, I was for many years. Uh, I uh, I decided not to be just as a, the time more than anything, but I love the Ramsey folks over there. And I had a great relationship with Ramsey and his team. And uh, they would fly me up to Nashville and visit with um, with their leadership. And we would talk about where the, where the markets are going and kind of this... Uh, economic and financial system and how it works and some of the nuances of it, we would nerd out, but they have incredible people doing incredible things. They're very mission-minded. And so funny, I've, I've adopted a lot of the core uh, values and principles of the company that I run today from uh, what I've learned with the Ramsey group and being on their council. Tell us what those values are, those values that you run your company. With. Yeah. So um, we are um, fiduciaries. Uh, who honor Judeo-Christian values? That's kind of, you know, kind of our mantra, so to speak. Um, we have core values. You know, every company has core values. Our core values are teamwork, respect, enthusiasm, constant improvement, and kindness. We actually do um, uh, assessments of how well we are honoring those core values once a year of all of our employees, including myself. And so um, we not only have these values on our website, but we actually filter them into a very tactical way into our organization. Um, But really it's all rooted in Judeo-Christian values and how we live those out and how we honor uh, those values when we engage with a consumer. So tell us what is, you mentioned biblical responsible investing at some point prior to the call. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the invest, you know, when you, when you buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds, things like that, um, with the polarization in the country in recent years, there's been a proliferation of, Hey, I, I am investing. I'm an owner of these companies and these companies are doing things that I don't believe in. So how can I exclude that from my investment portfolio? Because I, I don't want to be an owner of those companies. And being an owner means that you're, you know, it's a certain implication, a certain responsibility, even if it's a minority piece. And so um, the mechanism to be able to exclude um, those specific companies from your investment portfolio, so you're no longer an owner, has become easier with technology today. And so 
um, we're actually being, uh, we're able to do that for a lot of the people in the Christian community, um, finding ways to exclude those companies from their retirement portfolio. Um, and it's something that people feel called to do. Interesting. So let me ask you this, this for parents who are wondering how to help their children. A lot of, a lot of the, our listeners are, are cured. They're conscientious parents. They're wanting to be better parents. Uh, tell us, tell us what you would give as advice financially or any other advice you have there. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I, I, I reflect on my life and, you know, I reflect on my life. So there's several elements that, that kind of frame up the decisions for certainly my own experience. Also, I've sat down kneecap to kneecap with thousands of people about money and have very intimate conversation. Then I've, you know, academically, I've studied this stuff for a long time. So there's all different ways I can frame this up. Um, I tend to lean into biblical worldview, so I try not to be too preachy about it, but that's kind of where I start in a lot of my conversations. So um, I, when I think about um, the idea of the circumstances people are in, it's a difficult circumstance in America today to typically be in the middle class. There's just no, it's no joke about it. Um, and not to, you know, be not an indictment on, you know, those that might be poor for lack of a better word. I've been there, so I know how that feels, but there are certain subsidies that make that situation palatable. Um, and then there's, um, the rich are the rich, you know, they've got, you know, usually some margin, but this middle class is, it's real problematic because I mean, think about health insurance in general. I mean, it's, you know, for, for family, that could be 1500 bucks a month. That, and, and, you know, you don't get a tax deduction. So you have to make $2,000 a month, pay taxes, and then it's 1500. That's 24,000 a year just for health insurance, you know, not kids college. And then my grocery bill, I can't go to the grocery anymore and, and just buy a few things for less than a hundred bucks. I mean, it's just hard, you know, um, it's just hard. And so I say all that because there's a certain amount of pressure that puts on families. Um, and, I don't know how to un. I don't. I don't have a, a valve to release that pressure that much, um, but I would say just you know it's important to put it in context that, um, you know the neighbors that I mean I speak to everyone about money, so I you know you could tell me your your occupation and I know your income and almost profile you know to a T. I, I get most people's situations, so I would say that your neighbors dealing with the same kind of stuff. Like it's not it's not exclusive to you and your house. You know, you're like talking to your wife or your husband about money. You're like stressed and worried. I just want you to know that you're not alone. Like everyone's dealing with this and um, it feels like you're alone, but everyone's dealing. They just don't want to talk about it. I've even had, I have plenty of rich people that, that are dealing with these stresses. So it's not about the stress anymore. The stress exists everywhere. It's, it's just, how are we going to respond to it? Um, that's the only thing we can control. And so, um, we put one foot in front of the other and um, try to make sure that we don't sacrifice uh, our lives along the way, that there's not dead bodies along the way. Let me give you an example. I've seen many people handle this stress with alcohol and substance abuse, and that's their coping mechanism. So we know that's destructive. Um, I've seen marriages, you know, just as you know, families just fight. And we know that, you know, that leads to divorce. These money issues are a leading cause of divorce. And then I see kids, you know, get neglected because the odd jobs or the stress of overwork, um, you know, the kids just uh, can't do things um, with their mom and dad, or even the, some of it self-induced, uh, self-inflicted, like um, over committing to club sports, 
Um, and then the sacrifices that have to be made with that when it's really not necessary, you know, children spell love T-I-M-E. So <laughs> it's not necessary. You know, the probabilities of getting a college scholarship are really, really small. And so investing in just, you know, going, you know, there's been times where I just take my daughter on a walk together and that's free. Um, so, so I think that, you know, just to recognize just a, you know, level set field, everyone's good you know, stressed in this money world, but it's really how we respond to that in a very healthy way. That's most important. And, and I, I would suggest that's uh, worth taking inventory of. I really like your response there. And I also like, you know, that, that kids spell love T I M E um, the time. Would you have any recommendations about how to help parents get free up that time? I mean, obviously money is a huge focus. Most people spend most of their t- waking hours or at least a very good portion of them, trying to make money for the family, right? Yeah. What, what do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean that's namely from what I've learned from other people and um, having good mentors and what I've I've done. It is it is an intentional activity because by default we go to these like I guess maybe fight or flight mechanisms. I've got to earn money or figure out a way to earn money. Um, and so I have to be pretty intentional. Like I have people that hold me accountable to, to, um, things that I want to do with my kids. Um, so dates with my kids is very important. Dates with my wife is very important. Um, put leaving the phone in the car, uh, before I get home, um, uh, doing homework, um, not, you know, not trying to just relax you know i have one friend right now that he overdoes football um that's just his thing i love football but he to the negligence of his kids so just being very intentional and there's very practical ways there's been many times i've told my daughter i didn't spend much time with her this week because i was busy i pulled her aside and i said i just need to sit on the porch with you and just listen to you and just hear from you and just um i don't want to try to solve any of your problems just tell me what's going on um i do uh, you know i'm not some, sometimes I'm not good at this. So I actually, I, I would be honest, I've Googled questions to ask. I've read some good books on just, I want to get better at asking good questions to my kids. Like, what are you curious about today? Um, what was the best movie you saw? And what, what, what how, why did, you know, why was it your best movie? Can I tell you about the best movie I saw when I was a kid? Like it's the tools that we have today are amazing. And, and, and it really, a lot of times it starts with asking good questions and just sitting down and, and spending time with them. And, and I've had to be very intentional about that, but I think that, I think my kids know sincerely. In fact, they wrote me a card on my birthday and told me how much they love me and how much those things were important to, to them. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I heard someone say that uh, when you get, when your kids get up in the morning, if you give a little time to just give them a hug, you know, something just a physical hug or a touch, say their name, ask them a question. First thing in the morning, first thing at night, those three things uh, can be really powerful. I've heard. Yeah. So like that, spending and spending the time. So let me ask you this. We have, I mean, you're an, you're an investment person. Yeah. Money person. And we have parents who are like literally torn between I've got to make money and I've got to make, you know, make ends meet. And I also want to be a good parent. How do I juggle it, right? And and you've already given us some great pointers here. Is there anything else you could say about that, about making it easier so that parents have more time with money? I mean, what would you say to people who say, hey, they come to you and say, hey, I want to be a better parent, and I'm, but I'm stressed about money. 
And I know it's probably an individualized plan you'd make up. Is there, any, is there any other general advice that you would give people to be less stressed about money so they can be better parents, they can be better spouses, they can have happier uh, families? Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I, I really, I'm still, you know, I when I first got, so I, you know, I grew up without money. And so I learned a lot there. I went to college, um, got a couple degrees, learned more about money, um, got this these letters behind my name called CFP. So at that point, I consider myself smart. I'm 26. I overextend myself in debt because I got bad mentors and I, I made bad decisions, but I just kind of got caught up in stuff. So then I hit this inflection point where I'm broke again, um, very reflective time um, and was a dad. And so it was really, really stressful. Um, and so we had to go down to one car um, at the time and make a lot of sacrifices. Um, prior to that, I thought Dave Ramsey was kind of, uh, kind of a good guy, but was for other people. But then I started to, um, adopt that financial peace, um, university mindset, the baby steps. Um, Mm -hmm. and we started to, you know, sell everything, you know, um, garage sales, um, you know, went down in one car. We, you know, we did everything we could to get out from that situation. Um, but it was all hands on deck kind of thing. I mean, and I think, um, I think it's healthy to have the family involved in that because this is generational. Like this is not, if you're dealing with this stress, this is not victim, uh, time. This is time to say, um, you know, sit down as a family and say, this is the situation we're in. We made some mistakes. Um, a lot of people make these mistakes and we got to, we got to get out of that. And so I need all hands on deck. We're, we're going to have to sacrifice a few things, say no to a few things, eat a little differently for a few years. And I'm sorry, kids, but it's really in the best interest of all of us. Um, that's generational by the way. Like, so there's, so you say from, from a certain perspective, I feel bad because they don't get to do that or this, but what you're doing for your kids for the rest of their lives will be impactful and worth so much more than you can imagine. And so I often, this is where the biblical lens comes through for me. I often think about, you know, my creator and how he thinks about how generations are so important. This is like a generation, a generational thing. So if you're in an opportunity under stress, you can either like, it's an example of um, you've heard of the example, like um, in hot water, um, you can either put in an egg and it makes a he- egg hard, or you can put in a carrot and it makes a carrot soft. <laughs> um, and, or you can put in a coffee bean and it actually, the way it reacts to hot water is it affects the environment, which ultimately makes coffee. Um, so I think about like, what am I going to do in a, a stressful environment? And I really think I can affect my environment by sitting down and saying, look, this is the situation in it we're in, but, um, I'm thankful for this situation because it's going to be a game changer for my family. I've had a few of those moments and it really defines the identity of my children. And so that's the, that's how I would approach it. And, you know, I think there's this kind of uh, reluctance sometimes to talk to our kids about money because sometimes maybe we don't want our kids to worry if we're in a tight spot. Maybe we don't want our kids to know how much we have or don't have. And I think that's a really, really good thing to sit down and say, you know what, we're in this spot. And maybe it's not ideal. We can admit, admit to our children that, hey, we haven't made perfect choices and we're we're going to see if we can work through them. I think that's a great thing to do. It's so healthy. And um, yeah, we just need to do more of that. And talking about money all the time is important, not just a little bit. Like when you go to the grocery store, it's 
my my kids grab something from the aisle and say, "Hey, I'd like to get some. I'm gonna you know make these juice boxes." Okay, cool. How much are those juice boxes? I didn't look at them. We'll go back and what well, do I really have to? Yes, you have to go back and tell me. Did you see a coupon? We're on the on sale. Was there something else? Like it's it's not just teaching them about money every now and again. It's all the time. And I'm sorry, my my kids, my four kids, I annoy the heck out of them because it's all about money. And they know, hey, look, I don't love money, but this is a real, this is, this is the reality of life. We deal with money all the time. You've got to be on point. So, I mean, talking about your kids about uh, money, if you're not doing it, it's just got to be all the time. Just be very real and raw. And just tell them, hey, this is where the situation is. And maybe we can work through it together. I like how you involve them. It's not just mom or dad or both or maybe a single parent trying to hustle through on their own. It's, let's get our kids involved and tell them where we're at. And this is why we're doing it. Oh what yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. Uh, what's, what's behavioral finance. What is that? You know, the, the, uh, that's a, the, an academic area of study that collides neuroscience, psychology, and uh, that traditional finance. And so what we recognize today is that the majority of the if you look at somebody's net worth, which is assets minus liabilities equals net worth, and um, it's almost a scorecard. Um, it's a very, you know, it's it's not a scorecard on somebody's identity in life, but it's a scorecard, of a financial scorecard. And that bottom line net worth, a lot of times we think it's a, a direct result of math, but it's not. It's our behavior. And so if you ask yourself what, what type of behavior uh, impacted the scorecard because we'd all like that net worth to be higher. And it's not because of math decisions we've made. It's because of behavior decisions we've made. And so what I've had to do over the last four or five years is start to study what are those behavioral decisions that people are making that are impacting their net worth and uh, try to encourage them to course correct. And so that's that's that area of study. Awesome. And that's something that seems like if we could teach our kids that their behaviors affect finances in a real way. It's not just, we're not just doing math. It's like, what are my behaviors and, and, and help them when they're young. It seems like that would be a very, very valuable thing to teach. And as you said, it's okay to annoy our kids from time to time and say, Hey, I'm going to annoy you. This is an important thing. And it's something that's going to affect you the rest of your life. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I annoy them all the time. (laughs) It's just, uh, they just know. Um, And I, I have, Two, I have four kids, so two of them are savers. They just like to save, which is cool. Now, there's problems if you, you you're, if you die with a mattress full of money, that's a problem, right? Um, and then then I have one kid that's a spender. Um, not over like she doesn't. She just likes to spend money. All good. I like. I have. I have things I probably spend too much money on actually. Um, and then my other daughter is a giver. Like she would give it all away. So. There's all these like attri- like there's just these nerd these things that they're God given kind of uh, inclinations that um, you know that's what that's I've got to teach them where they're at like and work with what they have and recognize that there's some things that they've got to modify and understand that they're prone to you know my pro- my daughter's prone to giving it all away so we've got to talk through that a little bit right. I have some kids who are pretty generous that way too. And yeah. in some ways I want to encourage it. And, and in some ways I'm like, well, we don't have to give it all away, but it's, yeah. it's so you have this giving heart, you know? And, and yeah. so I also want to encourage it as well. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is great. Is there anything else you would say, you know, I, I really, really like this, these ideas about being upfront, talking through things, letting them know your situation so that they can kind of help along, you know, um, teaching them when they're young, 
and uh, even annoying him if needed about you yeah. know talking about to the point where you need to. I really like those. Is there anything else that you would say, you know, if there was could help parents who are constantly in this money battle, yeah. trying to provide for family? I mean, you're right. I think you're exactly right when you said middle class has this battle, you know, where we're trying. And even if you're wealthy or you're maybe struggling a little bit at the moment, everybody has this thinking about money. And yet they're still trying to be a, a parent and a spouse. And I just wonder if you have any other good advice since you've, since it sounds like you've got a good handle on both, how you would uh, help people. Yeah. You know, I think we, you know, be okay with not being okay. Um, we're all there. Um, it is a difficult situation in terms of the economics. And like I mentioned, healthcare, um, inflation, these are real things. Like they're for real. Everybody's there. I like how you said that everybody's there. It's not like just some people, I think, man, we're the only people on the block struggling. And the truth is there's a lot of people who are, who are really thinking, can we do this or not? A hundred percent. And so it's, it's not, you know, trying to get out of that necessarily. Although I want, I have, you know, there's specific strategies, but I do think it requires us to say, more importantly, how are we going to respond to this? And I've seen plenty of people respond in a very negative way. And like I mentioned, marital issues, substance abuse, um, even just coping mechanisms, um, ignoring the kids. Um, I've seen that before. Look, I just can't handle it anymore. I got, I'm going to go to my room and you know, surf on the internet or do whatever. Um, so you know, taking inventory of those coping mechanisms. There's also some things that are happening subconsciously that you as a consumer, I don't think we are aware of, you know, for example, you go into a furniture store and some, you know, some places they'll um, intentionally put in the, the smell of apple pies because they know it increases the probability that you'll buy a, a, a new sofa. So the the marketing hacks have really caught on to this consumer behavior stuff. And they've, you know, they obviously follow you around on these social media sites by grabbing cookies. And so you just got to be very careful um, that this consumption machine in America and just be skeptical of it. Uh, and that includes stuff that is quasi cute, like even sport kid. I mentioned kids sports, you know, things that are just trying to grab your wallet. And, and, and a lot of it's trying to grab a monthly subscription, of course. Right. Um, so you just have to be really on guard there. Um, and then you making sure that you're not getting yourself in a hole and getting in debt. I love that. I love that. Let's not think just because the commercial society wants to sell us every new thing that we have to jump on that. In fact, that might be one of the keys to having more peace, financial peace in our lives by, by avoiding the consumerism peace. Well, they've done it to where it's one-click pay now, right? So there used to be a degree of friction whenever we bought stuff. Um, and, you know, with one-click pay, you don't have to think anymore. So it, it's, you know, very much um, the odds are against the consumer um, now. And so we just have to have a guard up a little bit more. That's really profound, really wise. Is there anything you do to help your kids not be consumeristic? <laughs> Um, I, I make them all before they buy something, wait, uh, they say, I want this, um, on Amazon and I need it. And they give me all these excuses and I always tell them, ask me tomorrow and tomorrow comes <laughs> and they don't want it anymore. So that's, you know, they've, they've bought onto that now. So they, uh, they know that they, if they wait, they, they, so it's a habit that they realize I'm hoping, you know, I guess still got to stay on it, but they kind of know when they come to me, I'm going to tell them to wait. So they usually know that. So they're like, dad, I want this. Um, I'll, you know, I'll ask you again tomorrow <laughs> and it's just funny because, 
that's I think that's one strategy that's helped them a lot is recognizing that just kind of putting some time between that emotional purchase decision, I think is really important. Which is hard when there's one click pay, like you say, because you could just, it's really easy to just do So that. easy. Yep. Well, I got to tell you, Daryl, thank you so much for your good advice and being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Um, if people want to reach you, how can they reach, how can they get a hold of you, Daryl? Um, our website is paxfinancialgroup.com, P-A-X. Um, if anybody needs to meet, I'm not an advisor. I provide leadership to the organization, but if somebody wants to meet with our advisor, it's 15 minute consult. doesn't cost any money just to see if it's a good fit. Uh, that's one way just to kind of get engaged in our ecosystem. Um, and then LinkedIn, I, I know there's a lot of social media sites, but I'm not a big poster. I don't have like a personality or brand I'm building. Um, but if you go to LinkedIn, that's a way that I usually distribute content because this has a very professional format. Wonderful. And we're going to send your, your audience, unless you tell us otherwise, to, to get a free ebook. Uh, we'll have a link there that you have a free ebook that will help them on uh, biblically responsible investing. Mm-hmm. Biblically responsible investing. And, and uh, thank you for being on the show, Daryl. Appreciate it very much. You're welcome. I hope it helps. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining the Principal Podcast. I'm so glad that you listened and took the time. You know, I'm on a mission to help as many marriages and families as I possibly can. I would love to hear from you. You know, things that keep you up at night, that concern you about your family, your marriage, and things we could talk about on the Principal Podcast. If you like the podcast, please like, subscribe. You can check out my book on Amazon. It's called What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die. And again, thank you for supporting the podcast. Mm-hmm.